really believe this about God. I, I really believe that a lot of times when we encounter God, experience God, we get as much as we expect. And, and you see this all throughout the scriptures when people expected much, they received much. When they expected little, they received little. That's why some people can sit in church their entire lives and never change or never grow. Because if you expect nothing, you'll get nothing. The, the Bible says he, he is a rewarder of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So even your desire this morning is important. Even your own expectation or your own faith uh, is important for what God wants to do. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited just to be able to, to share with you for a couple moments. I believe God's going to uh, do something with you. We have so many friends and guests uh, that are with us. And uh, again, uh, we're so glad uh, that you're here. Make sure you get a picture on your way out and uh, to, to commemorate it. And I think they have the petting zoo being set up as you walk out. That's not my favorite part of this day. Um, but as long as we shake hands with you before you touch those animals, I'm good. After you touch them, just we can wave, all right? From, from then on, you're on your own. Um, we're going to jump in the Word. This is John chapter 21. John chapter 21 on this Easter Sunday. John chapter 21, verse 1. It says this. This is after Jesus died. This is after he rose from the dead. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. I'm going out to fish. This is what he used to do. I'm going back, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Really, that's the problem with most believers. Is Jesus is there, we just don't realize He's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to read all this, I just need to give you that real quick. Because a lot of people, they, they just have never realized that, that he's there. Uh, Jesus stood there, but they didn't realize he was there. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter, Simon's a crazy one, as soon, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. Peter, do you? And jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. That's a lot of verses. That's probably your Bible reading for the month right there. Uh, but I wanted to give that to you because all of this is important for the rest of what we talk about to make sense. And I'm going to speak for the next 25 minutes from this subject. I'm going back. I'm going back. And this is, this is the story of Peter because Peter walked so closely with Jesus. And we're going to focus entire, almost the entire uh, amount of time we have today completely on Peter, on who he was, how he followed Jesus, how he responded to Jesus, how he denied Jesus how he witnessed Jesus die and how he even appeared to Jesus even appeared to him after he rose from the dead. My wife and I, uh, we moved to Texas almost nine years ago, and uh, in July, it'll be nine years, we came from the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and uh, came from Seattle, uh, Washington, and uh, I am a Seattle Seahawks fan. And I just want to keep on just saying that. It just feels good to say it. I feel like I'm in enemy territory, but it just feels, feels right. I feel like I'm being true to myself. Um, so uh, I, I am a Seahawks fan. And so when we moved here, uh, Pastor Steve, our founding pastor, had called us. And, and uh, they had really felt, him and his wife, that we were supposed to come and be their youth pastors. The only problem, you, this is kind of like a bad relationship. You know, you know when the guy says, I, th I really heard the Lord that we're supposed to go out. It's like, well, that's great, but I didn't hear him. So either you're listening to the wrong God, or, or I'm really missing it, but I'll miss it because I'm going to miss you. And so he kept on calling us saying, we really sense the Lord. Well, we didn't know if we were going to really come or not, and uh, we were happy where we were. I was working for my dad, a great situation, and finally we prayed about it. I know, it took us a little time, and so uh, we prayed about it, and so uh, we felt like God leading us to move. And some of you have heard the story, but when we moved, we packed up everything, packed it up into a U-Haul, and we took off from Washington, driving to Texas. I mean, we're on our way, packed up, me and Jamie, no kids yet, just us, couple friends, some family, and we had a caravan, and off we went. And we, we got to Texas, and we're from Washington, just keep that in mind. We got to Texas the first week of July. Nobody warned us. Nobody told us what it would be like. It was hell. It was about 107 degrees. We roll into town. We bought a brand new house. Well, I should say brand new to us. It was a house, and we bought a house, and the AC broke the first night that we moved to Texas, that we followed God and moved to Texas. Our AC broke, and so my wife was in the car with the AC on because there's no AC in the house, and I look out, and she's leaning out the door, and she's throwing up. So the AC's broke. I go out. Now my wife's broke. We take her to the hospital. She has to have gallbladder surgery. So, okay, this is first. We, we just got to Texas. Welcome. And, and, and so the AC's broke. Now, we pull in the parking lot of the, of the hospital. This is not a lie. Our car breaks down. We had one car, that car, and it broke down. So my wife's broke, my AC's broke, my car's broke, and to pay for all this, I'm broke. And I am in my house, um, which I open the windows, because in Washington, that's what you do when it gets hot. So I'm like, I'll just open it, because it started to rain. I'm like, I'll just open these windows, get some fresh air. Yeah, no one told me that was a bad idea. 
slide. Uh, just like humidity flooded the entire house. Uh, and it was, it was awful. And it, I'm going to be real honest with you. For a couple moments I thought about this. I, th- I thought, you know what, I think I'm going back. It's like first, first night here and this first week here and all of this happens, I'm going back. And I'm going to tell you, life knows how to hit you to make you feel like you need to go back. Have you ever been there where life hits you in such a way that a situation confronts you in such a way it's like, you know what, it's not worth that much to me. I think I'll just go back. I, I think I'll just go back to where I was. I'm going to tell you that the, 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 the enemy, the Bible says that Jesus comes to give us life and that life more abundantly. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the enemy of our life and of our happiness and of our joy would like to do this to us. He would like to confront you with problems and issues and trials and catastrophes and crisis to a point where you decide you're going to go back to where you came from. And this is where we pick up John 21. I'm going to give you a lot of history on John 21 because this is after the resurrection. But to understand John 21, you have to understand what Peter went through to get to John 21. Because Peter, Peter is pretty relatable. A lot of people love Peter in the Bible. They don't say why they love him. They just say that they love him. But I'll tell you why people love Peter. Peter was a mess. Peter was emo. Peter loved Jesus one day and denied him the next. Peter was cutting off, literally cutting off people's ears in one scenario and then swearing that he did not know Jesus in the next scenario. Peter was all over the place. Peter is walking on water in one scenario and in another scenario, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Which, by the way, is the worst insult of all time. It's like when Jesus calls you Satan, it's like you know you've really done it. so, so Peter is with Jesus at the Last Supper. Many of you know this. They're there at the Last Supper. Jesus says, someone is going to deny me. And this is what Peter says. He says, I will never deny you. He said, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. This, was Peter. this is Peter. This sounds like us. Oh, Jesus, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. If you give me her, I will be a missionary to Africa. I got her and I stayed here. I just, it, I don't. He's still blessed. We make these vows and these promises uh, to, to God saying we'll do these things. This is what Peter said. He said, if, if you do this, I'll do that. And Jesus says, someone's going to betray me. Peter says, it's not going to be me. I will die before I betray you. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to disown me three times. And Peter says, talking about and so the soldiers come later in the story the soldiers come to arrest Jesus and there they show up and one of the high priest servants is standing there and Peter pulls out a sword because he's like surely I'm not going to deny him and he swings and the Bible says he cuts off the servant's ear now you got to understand to be able to cut off an ear you have to miss nobody can just cut off it's like I'm going to cut your ear off He, he missed and, and, and so this is Peter. I mean, he's just like, he's like, I'm not going to be the one that denies him. But then it says, and this is what the Bible says, it says that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Luke 22, 54, it says, then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Let me just tell you this. How you follow Jesus determines what you do with Jesus. How you follow Jesus determines what you 
do with Jesus. And Peter chose in that moment that I'm not going to deny him, but I'm going to follow at a distance. But you'll find this in your life. Whatever you follow at a distance, you will eventually deny. Because, because he followed him at a distance, and the crowd and the peer pressure and situations got to him. Then all of a sudden now, people confronted him and said, aren't you the one that was with Jesus? And Peter says, I never knew the man. He said, weren't you the one that walked with him? He says, and it says he began to swear to this little servant girl, swearing and, and saying, I never knew him. Disowning. He disowned him a third time, denied him a third time, and the rooster began to crow. And he was reminded. The, the, the theologians tell us that the courtyard where Jesus was being tried was actually very small, smaller than this room. So when Peter was denying Jesus, Peter could see Jesus. And then one of the accounts in the gospel, it says that when Peter denied him, Jesus turned his head. And look, can you imagine? You've walked with Jesus. He called you from a fisherman. He, you, you've seen him. You just swore that night that you would never deny him. You would die before you deny him. And there you are saying, I never knew him. And you feel eyes from the other side of the courtyard and you turn. And as Jesus is being whipped and a crown of thorns being shoved on his head, his eyes are looking at you. Let me just tell you something. Jesus' eyes are on you and they were on you before you were born. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart. And while Jesus was being beaten, while he was being whipped, while he was being crucified, he had you in mind. Many people think that Jesus must have looked across with disappointment or he must have looked across with judgment. But I think when Jesus turned his head, he looked across with love. I think that when he looked across the courtyard and Peter was denying him, I think he looked across and in his heart wanting to reassure Peter that he still loved him. We teach our interns and our staff this, and this is a principle that you can grab for your life. When you feel distance, you must press in. When you feel distance. See, in a relationship, when you feel distance, you begin to withdraw. But the, that is the exact opposite of what actually help your relationship. If you're married and whenever you feel distance, you withdraw, you're in trouble. Because wherever the distance is, is an indicator that I need to draw in to a situation so I can remedy what the difficulty is. When Jesus was being led to be crucified, instead of Peter drawing close to him and walking beside him and standing with him, he followed at a distance. And at following at a distance, he eventually denied him. But you know what? This is interesting about Peter. Is Peter denied him, but he never left him. I want, you, I want you to see this, because last Easter we talked about a guy by the name of Judas who denied Jesus as well. He betrayed him as well. And four days before Jesus rose from the dead, Judas went and hung himself. He saw what he did, he had shame for what he did, and he ended his life. Peter had shame for what he did, he saw what he did, but he hung around. And let me just tell you on this Easter morning that sometimes the best thing that you can do in a problem is refuse to go away. Sometimes the best thing you can do when life tries to hit you is just refuse to go away. Really? Is that your best shot? Is that what you got? No, you got to bring more than that and just refuse to go away. Peter had ups and downs. He had troubles. He had really some really bad failures, but he refused to go away. And sometimes it's in the longevity 
that brings the freedom. It's in the longevity that brings the restoration. It is in just having staying power. You know what we don't have in the church anymore? We don't have staying power. If God doesn't do it right now, if it's not microwave Christianity, if it's not how I want it, when I want it, when we're singing a song, my song, the right song, in my seat, in my parking spot, then I don't want it. we got to get rid of this passive, weak Christianity and realize that when we decide to follow him, we got to follow him. It's all or nothing. It's totally being bought in to what he's doing. We see that Peter, he denied him and then... Jesus was led to be crucified, and we know the story. But this is what happened with Peter. After Jesus was crucified, after he died, says the disciples were shaken, and when they would meet together, they would meet behind locked doors because they were afraid of what the soldiers would do to them as followers of Jesus. So they begin to hide. And this is where we see Peter say these words. He says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Now, to some of you, that sounds like really nice. Hello. Easter morning. Get some lunch, maybe do some fishing tonight. It was not a leisure activity in these days. To go fishing was your commerce. It was your business. It was what you did. So for Peter to say, I'm going to leave Jerusalem and I'm going to go fishing was a statement that he was going back to where he came. And I'll tell you this, is that the enemy's plan for your life is to get you to go back where you came from. The Israelites had just kept, came out of 490 years of captivity, and they hit some difficulty at the Red Sea. And do you know what the, the Israelites said? They said, maybe it was better for us in slavery. Do you know what I see with Christians sometimes is that we give our life to the Lord, we start following him, and we hit difficulty, and then we say these things like, you know what, life was a little bit better before. It was, it was easier back then, so we decide to go back. And this is what Peter says, I'm going back. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going, I want, let me just ask you, what, what do you know? What's your go back? What's your fault? When things really get tough, when things really get tense, what's your fallback? Peter says, it's, man, this is too much. I'm, I'm going fishing. He says some of the disciples went with him, and they went back fishing. In the midst of dealing with his shame and his remorse, Peter decides to go fishing. So let me just ask you this. When difficulty hits you, what is the thing that you go back to? When difficulty hits you, what is the thing that you go back to? To really understand John 21, we're going to go back even further, and then we'll, we'll take off from there. In Luke chapter 5, this is the story of, of Peter actually being called by Jesus. So Peter is, he's a fisherman. That's what he does. That's what we know now from reading ahead. This is what he went back to. He's a fisherman. That's what he did. When Jesus found him, it says Jesus was preaching to the crowds. The crowds were too much for him. So he got to a boat, Peter's boat, and said, can you push out from the shore a little bit so I can have some space, so I can speak to the people. So he spoke to the people, and then Peter told them that they'd been fishing all night, but they hadn't caught anything. And Jesus tells them, I want you to put out into deeper water and throw your nets over the side. And Peter's like, we have been fishing all night. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like a good idea, and you don't look like a fisherman. You ever had someone give you advice that's like not really well versed in what they're advising you in? You, you, you know, there, there's just some people you don't take financial advice from. If they're, you know, if they, if they don't have a home and, and they're trying to tell you how to manage your checkbook. Or there, there's some people that, that, that you don't take parenting advice from. There's some people you don't take marriage advice from. There's just, you got to learn when to take advice. I, 
I remember one time I was playing, um, I, I was playing softball, and uh, I had a friend that came that doesn't play softball, or baseball, or sports, or basically doesn't have a life. And he he felt like after the game he saw something in my swing that he could help me with. And so he's like, hey, Joshua, I noticed that when you're up at bat, I'm like, I can't hear anything you're saying right now. Do you even know what a bat is? Do you know that a softball is not soft? I don't even know what you know right now. Because it's hard to take advice from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. So when Jesus, a carpenter, said to Peter, this is before they knew who he was, he said, hey, just throw your nets on the other side. Peter must have been like, you think I'm an idiot? You think we didn't try both sides of the boat? He says, but because you said so, I will. And it says he threw the nets on the other side, and they caught so much fish that the net could not contain it and begin to break, and other boats had to come around them, and they got it to the shore. And it says that Peter fell to his knees and said, I'm a sinner. He saw in himself the inadequacy when Jesus showed up and began to show off. And he says, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And you know what Jesus says? This is when Jesus called Peter. This is not the text we read earlier. This is when Jesus called him originally. And he says to Peter, he says, you're no longer going to be a fisher, fisherman, fishing for fish. You're now going to fish for men. He begins to shift his call. All the ladies got excited. They want that call. Like, <laughs> just joking. Okay. Um, all the intern girls are like, can I be a fisher of men? Like, no, you can't. Stop. <laughs> Jesus interacts with him and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip your call. I'm going to use your same gifts. I'm just going to switch what you go after because you are a fisherman. You are talented. You are gifted. So I'm not going to change your personality. I'm not going to change everything about you. I'm just going to redirect you. And I'm going to tell you, when Jesus really gets a hold of you, he doesn't try to change you. He doesn't try to change your personality and change who you are. What he does is he redirects you because you used to live for you. Now you live for him. You used to live for yourself, to please yourself. But now you live to please him. It is the switch. That happens with a call from God. It is a switch that happens when Jesus shows up on the scene. And so this is the way, excuse me, this is the way that Jesus calls Peter. It's amazing. He calls him. From then on, Peter was his disciple. He, he, that's the way he called him. It was special to Peter. Let me just say this. God never forgets how he called us or what he called us to. No matter what we do or how many times we deny him. He never forgets how he called us or what he called us to. Let me just say that to you. God will never forget how he called you. And he will never forget what he called you to. He'll use your gifts. He'll use your talents. He'll use your abilities to do his will. He will use what you got. So this happens. This is the call. And then for three glorious years, Peter walks with Jesus. And then Jesus dies. Peter denies him. We see all this. And, and Peter goes back fishing. So I said all of that to get to our last five minutes to talk about this. All of that to say this. Because when, God, when Jesus shows up in John 21... He does the same, I don't know if you caught this, he does the same exact miracle that he did in Luke 5. Now this is Jesus, he's resurrected, he's in his resurrected body, so he didn't look exactly the same, he wasn't exactly the same. So he shows up on the seashore 
while Peter went back to what he used to be in, Jesus is standing there. I'm sure he's just thinking, watch this. And he says, he's standing there, and they recognize that someone's standing on the shore. They're out there fishing, going back to what they knew. And they recognize that, that he's out there, and they see him. And he says, hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side? They're like, hey, I've heard that before. Peter's probably like, oh, where did I, where did I hear that? And everyone else is like, oh. That reminds me of something. Peter's like, hmm, can't place it. And 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 but Jesus is Jesus is playing with them because Peter, the last conversation they had was Peter denying him. And so Jesus thought it was important to raise himself from the dead and come back to the same seashore, to the same boat, to the same predicament, to the same trial, to the same situation, so he could stand on that seashore and say, Hey, Peter. I came back for you. You thought you failed me. You thought you disappointed me. You thought you disqualified yourself. But I came all the way back from the dead so I can tell you, you can't outlast me. You can't outlast my love. You can't outlast my grace. You can't outlast my reach. I came all the way back to tell you I forgive you and I love you. And you will not go back to what you came out of. This is the wild thing is Jesus is there. And John, who's a little bit smarter than Peter, he, he, he says, hey, Peter, I think that's the one. And this is what we read. It says, Peter put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off. And I don't know what that means. He's sunbathing. He's something. And he's like, it's Jesus. I got to clean up a little bit. He puts on his outer garment. Everyone else stayed in the boat and rowed into shore. But Peter jumped out of the boat. And he ran to Jesus. And it tells me something. It tells me something. That he leaned from to distance him. He, he already saw what distance could be. And he said, no, it's not the seashore. It's the boat. I can't make this up. It's the boat. This is it. No, that's the one. That's the one. So it, it was over 100 yards offshore. In those days, a lot of times people didn't, men even didn't even know how to swim. So he was floundering in the sea doing everything he could to get to Jesus. And when he got to Jesus, there's seven ways he could have got there, but he gets to Jesus, and they begin to have this conversation. And it, the, the Bible says that the other disciples got there with the boat, and they couldn't get the fish in, which this is just a side detail. It's interesting. They couldn't get all the fish in because they had 153 fish, and it says all six of them couldn't get the nets in. And Peter went by himself and picked up the – I mean, he's – He's just a crazy man. He's like, I got it, guys. And he brings in the 153 fishes. They sit down. They begin to talk to Jesus. And they begin to have a, one of the most famous conversations in the Bible where Jesus begins to ask him, do you love me? And all this is going to make sense in specifically in your life in 2017 on Easter Sunday in about three minutes. It says, he says, do you love me, Peter? And Jesus says, yeah, I do. And he's being mature. He says, again, do you love me? Again, the third time, do you love me? He says, Peter was offended. But you know what Jesus was doing? He was hammering away at something. Because last time Peter had an opportunity to stand up to him, three times he said, I do not know him. I do not know him. I do not know him. And now in John 21, Jesus says, do you love me? He says, I love you. Do you love me? I love you. Do you lo I'm, I'm going to give you a redo. Do you know what the resurrection did for me in three weeks? It gave you a redo. I'm going to try to behave myself but I said all that to say that Jesus died on that cross 
to forgive you of your sins. But when he got up on the third day, it was so me and you could have a redo. He didn't stay in the grave. He didn't stay dead. He came back and he split the sky and he split the tomb so me and you could have a redo. He said, Peter, you're not going back. You're coming back. And that's what the resurrection does, my friend. It changes whatever you would go back to into a comeback. Your go back is a comeback. And I'm here to declare to you, whether this is your first time or you've been here a thousand times, that you are due for a comeback. It's time for a comeback. It's time for a comeback. You may deny him once. You may have denied him twice. You may have denied him three times. But I'm here to tell you that the reason that he died... And the reason that he rose again was so that you and I could have a redo and we could have a comeback because Peter should have never got another chance. But the first thing that Jesus did when he got up out of the ground, he had to get back up. And he stayed there on that same spot. He became water. No more distance. He ran to the got there, they had this conversation, I'll show you later on, then this is what Jesus does, it says in the text that we read, it says this, it says, and Jesus, the last verse we read, it said, and Jesus said, follow me, the same exact command that he'd given to him the first time that he called him, see, I think this probably should be encouraging for some people that didn't do it right the first time. I feel like this could be encouraging for some people that just haven't always made the right choices. I feel like this could be encouraging from some people that just haven't always been able to make the right decision at the right time. I feel like this could be really good for some Christians, some believers. You've been in the church, but you have a you have a go back. See, we titled this message wrong. I, I titled this thing wrong. It shouldn't be I'm going back. It should be I'm coming back. not going to keep me down. That tragedy isn't going to keep me down. Whatever you went through, it can't keep you down. If Jesus got out of the grave, that means that he's given you the power to get out of whatever you've been in. All we have to do is rely on him because my Bible says in your weakness, he is made strong. So I don't need to rely on my strength and my goodness and my righteousness. I need to rely on what Jesus did on that cross and what he did when he broke out of that grave so that I could have a fresh chance at life. This is so amazing to me that in verse 19 that he tells him again that I want you to follow me. And this is what I got out of this, that Jesus loved him so much that he called him again. And this is what I want to declare to you on Easter Sunday, is that Jesus loves you so much that he'll call you again. Jesus loves you so much that he'll call you again. So I begin to look at this text. I begin to look at these things. And I just wrote down this week four things that I just think, I just want to defiantly say as we face the future and to face whatever God's bringing you into. And I see this from Peter. He refused to go away. He stayed together. It says he stayed with the other apostles. They stuck together. He ran to him. And then he made his comeback. And I don't know if you know this about Peter, but Peter went on to be great, one of the greatest apostles that this world has ever seen. In just a couple chapters, after Jesus said, will you follow me? Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost 
and preach the gospel open air in front of people that were opposing him and rejecting him. And 3,000 people got saved in one day. The same Peter that denied him, the same Peter that ran away, the same Peter that was a coward. When Jesus called him the second time, he never had to call him again. Peter never went fishing ever again. Peter never went back. And I'm just going to give some grace to some people that have went back a couple times. It's all right because the reason that Jesus was raised from the dead is so that even though you went back, you can have grace to come back. And I believe that today, that whatever has held you down, whatever has come against you, whatever has tried to keep you down under life's hold, today it breaks because this is a comeback day. Easter 2017 was the beginning of my comeback. It was the start of my future. It was the start of my call. Jesus loved me so much that he called me again. That he called me again. As I was studying Peter, looking at a lot of different things, I found a quote from a book someone gave me. It says this. It says, a sculptor sees an angel in solid rock before he chisels it. An artist sees a beautiful painting before he puts it on a canvas. An architect sees a magnificent building in his mind before he draws up the plans. Jesus is like that. He sees us at our best. You know, right now, some of you are just a solid rock. But the great architect, the great sculptor, sees the finished product. He sees what you got. sins. Yes, he was amazing. That was enough. But he, he wanted to he wanted to put an exclamation point. He said, I'm going to get up out of this mud so I can walk back into Peter's life. Because the way you walk back into Peter's life is the way that he wants to walk into your life today. Is that Jesus? Yeah, that's him. Well, I'm back where I used to be. I'm back where I said I would never be. I'm going to tell you that Jesus never forgets how he called you or where he called you. Some of you right now, you remember when you were 14 years old, you were at that camp, and you had an encounter with God. Some of you, you remember 22 years old, your mom drug you to a church that you didn't want to go to, you had an encounter with God. See, a lot of us can remember times where we burned for God, and we loved him greater than we do right now. And maybe right now it's not about being a disciple, it's just that we're a distant disciple. So today, what we need to do is do like Peter did on the second chance, and jump out of whatever boat of comfort that we've been staying in, and run headlong towards Jesus. No matter if we got to get through some water, we got to get through some opposition, we're going to do whatever it takes. I don't know who this is for, but I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus loves you and he did everything to get to you. And now it's your turn to make the jump of your life out of whatever boat of comfort that you find yourself in. Some people say, well, it's uncomfortable to follow Jesus. So what? Other churches might say, let's make you as comfortable as you can get. That's not following Jesus, friend. He died on the cross, uncomfortable, naked, and exposed so that he could have a chance at relationship with you and for me. And you know what? This is crazy about Jesus. He would have died even if we would have said no. Because he said, I love him so much, 
I want to give them a chance just in case they want it, just in case they turn, just in case they choose me. I want to give them a chance. That's how much Jesus loves you. And tonight, this morning, I just feel like we should just respond to God. And I don't know what mode of comfort maybe you've been in or what you've been living in. Maybe it's your first time in church and you're like, who is this guy? I just want you to know that Jesus loves you so much that he's going to give you a second chance. And a third chance. And a fourth chance. And a fifth chance. Well, I thought Christianity was just about doing things right. No, no. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died make dead people alive. Life, true life, is only found in Him in response, a loving response to His great love.